All right, take your Bibles if you would, book of Romans, Romans chapter number 16, Romans chapter 16 this evening, and we'll get back in the doctrine, be a little bit different tonight. Uh, I thought about just dealing with the inerrancy of Scripture uh, for like we did the uh, inspiration of Scripture, but uh, I believe what we'll do tonight is I'm going to give you several things, okay? Uh, we're going to look at a big lump of uh, the doctrines concerning Scripture, and we looked in detail at the inspiration. I'll hit on that just a little bit here in a few moments. Uh, but then I want to look at several other doctrines concerning the Scriptures. And then, uh, Lord willing, next week maybe we get into something else, okay? Uh, but we'll pick back up on doctrine tonight concerning the Scriptures. Romans chapter 16, begin reading in verse number 17. When you find your places, if you can enable, stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of the Lord. Notice what Paul said here in verse 17. Bible said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad in all men. I'm glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good. And simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you help us tonight as we study your word together. Lord, I pray you give us, illuminate our hearts to the truth of your word. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom, give us understanding. Lord, help us as we study together. Lord, I pray for every need represented. Lord, I pray you have your will and way in each and every heart. Lord, if they be one discouraged, would you encourage your heart tonight? Lord, if they be one walking far distance away, God, I pray you draw them up close to you once again. Lord, I pray you help each one of us to be better for being in your house tonight. I pray you help each one of us to have a greater understanding of your word. Lord, to be grounded and rooted in the faith. Lord, we'll thank you. Praise you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. Save that when there's to a devil's hell. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. you be seated. Thank you for standing down. Verse 17, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. Notice what he said now. I beseech you, brethren, mark the eye which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which he have learned. Now, Paul, we, we, we say a lot of times, I've heard men say that uh, they try to shy away from doctrine. And uh, I, I guess I, in some ways I understand that, I guess. But uh, here's what I want you to see. Uh, if you don't believe right tonight, how can you act right? Isn't that right? If you don't, if your faith, if your doctrine's not right, if you don't put your faith and your belief in the right thing, uh, our doctrine is what determines uh, our actions. So if we don't believe right, if our doctrine's not right, then uh, we can't live right. If that be the case, uh, uh, Paul puts much emphasis in his epistles uh, in the doctrine. In fact, here in Romans 16, uh, Paul tells them, Now I beseech you, brethren, uh, mark them which cause divisions and offenses uh, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. That word mark in the Greek literally means to put in a bullseye. That's the idea behind it. It means to uh, stare at with great intensity, to take aim. And uh, I, I've given this illustration before out of Mark 16 that uh, I remember when I first started 
I was a little boy about Andrew's age. I, I first started wanting to go hunting and wanting to shoot and all those things. I remember Ronald, uh, my daddy took a great old big washing machine box uh, and put it out in the, in the yard. Uh, and all he told me was hit the box. And that, right, well, that was pretty easy. And, I, and he started me out that way because that made it easy for me to do. And then as we progressed, it get a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller uh, until finally uh, he told me, I remember right before I, uh, I killed my first deer. I was about six years old. I remember Kirk, he told me that day before we went hunting, he said, now, if you get a chance to shoot one, uh, he said, don't just aim at the, he put up a pie pan and said, that's about the spot you've got to aim to kill a deer. But here's what he told me. He said, when you look through that scope, uh, he said, you ought to pick out one hair that you're going to aim at. He, you see what I mean? You just keep gazing with greater intensity. And that's the idea uh, here in our text. Paul said, mark them uh, which cause divisions uh, contrary to the doctrine uh, which you've learned to gaze at, to set your sights on, to aim at, if you would. He said, give them great attention, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Paul said, uh, that's how serious that doctrine is. Uh, uh, now, I realize there's things tonight that we're not going to fall out over. Uh, I'm not going to fall out with you, Kirk, if you won't wear a pair of shorts. Uh, I particularly don't want to do that. But if you won't wear a pair of shorts, uh, that's not worth falling out over. Isn't that right? But there's some things uh, that are worth standing against. Isn't that right? Uh, I would fall out with you if you were to tell me, preacher, I don't believe uh, in the virgin birth of Christ. I believe that'd be something we'd have to get ties with. Uh, if you was to look at me and say that you didn't believe uh, in the deity of Christ, you didn't believe that he was God's son, uh, I'd probably have to cut ties with you there. I couldn't even get by with that. But if you think that a man ought not wear a pink shirt, they don't bother me none. They don't bother me not one bit. We'll just keep right on agreeing to disagree. Don't bother me not nary one bit. But Paul said when it comes to doctrine, not preference, not conviction, but when it comes to doctrine, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines you've been taught. Now watch what he said in verse 17. Notice what he said now. Bible said in verse number 18, I'm sorry, back or verse 94, verse 17, the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. That's not my opinion. That's what Paul said. Paul said, here's what Paul said. Elaine, if you come in, you stood up and you said, I just don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, I, I, I'm not saying Elaine said that. I'm just using that as an example. If you said that, here's what Paul said. You're a marker. Right? Yeah. You're to single her out. Now, I know that's not popular, but that's what Paul said. Mark them, yeah. which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. Mark them. Single them out. Here's what he said. And avoid Stay away from them. All right? He didn't say argue with them. He didn't say try to, he didn't say try to convince them. Paul said just stay away from them. Yep. Let me tell you why, nine times out of ten, somebody that goes against the doctrine you've been taught nine times out of ten, there might be some exception, but for the most part, they're just trying to stir something up. That's what they're doing. Right. And Paul said, they know he's arguing. Just avoid them. Just stay away from them. Uh, just mark them, sing them out, set them off to the side, uh, separate them from the pack. Uh, if, if these 15 deer come into my big pile tomorrow and I just shoot one, I've got to single it out of everything else. Uh, and that's what Paul said. Mark them. Uh, sing them out and just just avoid them. Isn't that right? Uh, now watch this. Watch verse 18. This is interesting what Paul said. He gives us a description of these men or these individuals. Watch what he said. 
For they, talking about those that are contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, for they are such served not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bed. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now don't get mad at me for what I'm about to say. I see verse 18 playing out our churches more today than I ever have. Watch what he said. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Here's what Paul's saying. They're not serving the Lord. They're serving their own flesh. They're doing it. Make themselves feel better. They're bringing attention to themselves. They've been served. I don't have time to get all this because i got to hurry. But just within the doctrines of Scripture, you'd be amazed how many have come in. Visitors that have come in that maybe you didn't know anything about, but they stood the back door and told me, well, I don't see anything wrong with uh, using a different version of the Bible. I just don't believe it's really God's Word, is it? Uh, I can't, now, listen to me. So, for sure, what you do, I think what it did. Did exactly what verse 17 told me to do. I marked them and I avoided them. Yeah. You're dying on me, ain't you? Maybe you don't want me to do that, but that's what the Bible said. To mark them, just avoid them. I told one, because been honest with you, I told one Lydia, I said, listen, we believe in the King James Version when you start coming. Uh, and as long as I'm here, we'll believe it long after you're gone. Isn't that right? Uh, amen, friend. That's right. Uh, you say, for sure, what are you saying? They're trying. I've watched them. I've seen them at Blue Ridge Baptist Church. Visitors come in, and they're just trying to stir something up. They're yeah. serving their own belly. Isn't that right? Yeah. And here's what the Bible said. I don't, I don't want you to fall out from what I'm about to say. I'm just using Bible language. Don't get mad at me what I'm about to say. That's what it said in verse 18. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You say, preacher, why are we doing this study on doctrine? Because that word simple does not mean, I don't know how to say it, but say it. It doesn't mean, Leona, stupid. It means ignorant. What do you mean? There is a difference. Ignorance is, we, 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 I, I told my wife one time, don't, don't laugh when I say this, I'm being serious. I thought one time we was talking about something, and I said, you're just ignorant of what that is. Well, she got all fired up. And I told her, I said, that don't mean that I'm saying you're stupid. I'm just saying you don't know no better. That's what ignorant means. You don't know any better. Isn't that right? That's what he means by simple. And what the Bible said, by good speech, isn't that right? It sounds good. They deceive the hearts of the simple. So you say, Preacher, why are we doing this? Because I want us to be educated. I want us to be able to understand the doctrines of the Word of God so that what Paul said by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. I don't want us to be deceived by these that are not serving the Lord but serving their own bellies. I don't want us to fall for every fair speech and good word. I don't want us to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. I want us to be rooted and grounded and knowledgeable about the doctrines of the Word of God that we are able to mark and avoid them that teach that that's contrary to the doctrines which we've learned. So that's our purpose tonight. So with that being said, I want to look at some of these doctrines concerning Scripture. Now, turn with me if you would, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'll hurry tonight. We've looked at this in detail. I just want to say a few things, bring you up to speed, uh, refresh your memory, and we'll go on. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number uh, 16. Well, let's just start reading verse number 14. The Bible said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith 
which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scriptures give inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want you to know something, first of all, the doctrine of inspiration, that the scriptures are inspired. Now we look at that weeks upon weeks on end, and we look very much in detail. Just want to give you a few things quickly. Uh, you remember I told you we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, that the very words that every word is inspired of God. Uh, the Bible said verse 16, all scriptures give by inspiration of God and is profitable. Uh, so we looked in great detail. We talked about how that word inspiration literally means God breathed. The scriptures are the literal words of God to man. We saw that the Holy Ghost moved upon holy men of old to pen down the scriptures. So while we realize that God used men to pen the scriptures, they were moved by the Holy Ghost to, uh, to pen the literal breathed out words of God. The scriptures are inspired. And that is the foundation block to which everything else is built. If you don't believe the Bible is the Bible, then what else are you going to get your doctrine from? Yeah, right? If it's not the Word of God, and it's the Word of man, uh, then how do we know it's right? Isn't that right? So that's the foundation we must build our doctrine. I told Brother Todd this week in our fellowship all last Sunday, I was telling about us doing this study, and I said, every book that I've got on doctrine, and I've got several, every one of them starts out somewhere, somewhere other than the Scriptures. I, I told him, I said, I just couldn't bring myself to do that. If you don't know what you've got in your hands, the Word of God, uh, then how do you know you trust it? What are you going to build your doctrine on? Uh, he said, that's exactly right. Isn't that right? You've got to know what you got. Uh, and that's where our doctrine comes from, from the Word of God. And we believe that the Scriptures are inspired. The doctrine of inspiration. Now, that brings us, number two, to the inerrancy of Scripture. The doctrine of inerrancy. Now, I want to say this. This doctrine of inerrancy is not clearly taught in the Bible. There is no verse that says all Scripture is inerrant, like there is inspiration. But if you'll stay with me, I believe we prove it one to another, all right? And uh, there, there's several things I could do. I'm not going to go into too great a detail. If you need me to, you ask me, and I'll come back maybe another week and do a little bit more in detail. Now, the inerrancy of Scripture, while not clearly stated in Scripture, can be easily inferred when we realize what the Bible said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. When we realize that, we have to believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, in my opinion. The word inerrant literally means this, to be without error. We say the inerrancy of Scripture, now we define when we look at the inspiration, we define what Scripture was. And we saw that Jesus referred to uh, part portions of the Old Testament, New Testament. We saw he referred to certain verses. Uh, but then we found he also referred to the Old Testament as a whole and the New Testament as a whole. So what we hold in our hand is Scripture. And the Bible said that all Scriptures give me inspiration of God. Now Titus 1-2 said God cannot lie. Right. Right. So if it's, if it's the literal Word of God, then according to Titus 1-2, it's got to be true. Right. right. That right? And if it's true, that means it can't be have errors. Right. Right? Right. 
You with me? So it must be in error. That literally yeah. means it's without error. Right. Now, there's a lot of people who want to argue that. A lot of people don't believe in the inerrance of Scripture. And uh, I, I don't get into all that tonight. There are what most what most writers refer to as problem passages. But I'll say this, and if you need me to, I'll come look at some of them one week. But every problem passage has an answer. Right. And you might have to dig in it just a little bit. You might have to think about it a little bit. You might have to rightly divide the word through. But every problem passage can be solved. It, you remember? Yeah. It'd be like this. If, if I said, I give you an example. Just call it. If I said, um, if you ask me, preacher, how much we have pledged for faith promise, and I told you, we had $640 a month pledge. That's right. Really? But if you asked me, Kirk, and I said, well, we had about 650 That's right, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Really? Yeah. That's right. So while one man, they will not take stuff like that and get all bent out of shape. Yeah. While one man might have said, well, there was 3,000 people, and about 3,000 people, another man might have said, well, there was 2,800 people. Well, they're both right. You with me? It's both right. Just somebody estimated and somebody gave a literal number. You with me? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a problem. That doesn't mean that there's error in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's not God's word. And the fact that Titus 1 2 said God cannot lie, if it's the literal word of God and it is, it's without error. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right? If the word of God can have error in it, that means God can err. And God cannot err, isn't that right? Right. Or see, it's notice, notice it's not only the doctrine of inspiration, but the doctrine of error. So let me give it to you like this. Literally means to be without error. If the scripture is the literal word of God, and it is, then we know that there are no errors contained within it. The fact that it is the word of God, the fact that it's inspired of God, God breathed, that tells us there's no errors in it. So it's the inerrancy of the scripture. Now, I don't want you to notice with me the infallibility of the Scripture. Boy, I like this. This one gets overlooked a lot. Uh, in fact, some books don't even mention it, but I believe this, in my opinion, may be my favorite one. The word infallible. Now, remember, inerrant means to be without error. The word infallible literally means not able to fail. That's what it means. It means incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. Never failing, always effective. You catch that? Listen, the word infallible literally means incapable of making mistakes, incapable of being wrong, never failing, always effective. Not only this evening, y'all ain't getting that, but I got heard. Not only are the scriptures in error, but they're infallible. Yeah. They are not able. That word, the, the, the fact they're infallible means they are not able. Not only, Kirk, are they not wrong. I hope you get this right here. Not only is there no error in it, it's incapable of being wrong. Yeah. Y'all get that. Bible said, Titus 1 2, God cannot lie. Right. It didn't just say he doesn't lie. That'd be wonderful. Mm -hmm. But it went so far as to say he cannot lie. Somebody asked me one time, said, what is it? Is there anything God cannot do? Absolutely. He can't lie. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There is something he can't do. According to Titus 1-2, he can not lie. Yeah. That book not only
only does it not have errors, it's incapable of being wrong. It's not possible. It is infallible. It cannot fail. That's what it means. It cannot be wrong. What about that? God, not only does He not lie, but He cannot lie. And as the Word of God, the Word of God is infallible. It's not able to be wrong. Uh, they're not able to be wrong or fail, but they are always effective. That excites me. What that means? That means that that Bible not only cannot be wrong, it's impossible for it to fail. Yeah. And there's a lot of times, I'll just be honest with you, this, this excited me today. There's a lot of times I come Wednesday after the funeral. I don't know why I eat down there. Something just didn't sit on my stomach, right? And I walk around, I don't know how long I walk around talking about how bad my stomach hurt, hold on to myself. Kenny spit on me. He said he finally preached his gallbladder. He finally just did it. But listen, I got a lot of times, Kurt, and I felt like I literally preached my gallbladder out. And I went home and thought it, nothing happened. Nothing took place. Nobody got hit. Not, nothing happened. It seemed like nothing went on. But you know what the, what the doctrine of the infallibility of Scripture means? That it is incapable of not me. But that word is incapable of not being effective. Whether I feel like it was or not, it was effective. Whether you think it was or not, it was effective. Now, I might have got myself in the way and hindered it somehow, but the Bible itself, the Scripture itself, is incapable of failing and incapable of being effective. That's a blessing to me. In fact, notice what your Bible said. Let me read it to you. Uh, before I butcher it, I would just quote it, but I butcher it if I do. Uh, listen to this, Isaiah 55, verse number 10 11. Here's what Isaiah said, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither. What about that? Isaiah said the rain falls down, the snow comes down. It doesn't go back up to heaven. It falls down to stays. Isn't that right? Yeah. But watereth the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Isaiah said the rain and the snow falls down and it sits upon the earth and it waters it for a purpose. It gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Watch verse 11. So shall my word, talking about the word of God, be that goeth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You know what that tells me? Whether I realize it or not, whether you realize it or not, uh, God had a purpose for sending that word. Uh, and the Bible said a promise from God. Uh, and the Bible said it shall accomplish uh, that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Uh, it is infallible. Uh, it is not able to fail. Uh, it's not able to be have error in it. Uh, it's incapable of being wrong. Uh, and it will accomplish uh, that that it was sent to do. Isn't that right? That's yeah. a blessing. And I want you to know this fourth and I'm hurry. I'm not beat long. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm going to be done right here in just a minute. I'll let y'all out early twice. God, heavy. Uh, this is verse <laughs> the number four, the preservation of Scripture. Tell me if you would Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12 this evening. Psalm chapter 12. Psalm 12, verse number 6, for the sake of time. Psalm 12 and verse number 6. The Bible said, now notice with me, I'm going to wait till I see this page, because I want you to see this. Every single uh, liberal, 
I guess we'd right way to say it that I know. Every single, those two different versions and all that, they take this verse that I'm about to read and they apply it to the nation of Israel. But I want you to look with me in the context and see what the Bible said. Let's look at it together. All right? Verse number six. Say those first three words with me. Word. The words. Is that right? Yeah. The words. Not the people. Not them. Not him. But the words. Isn't that right? The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Those were seven. Thou shalt keep, say it with me, them. Not him, them. Every new modern version changes verse 7 to him. Thou shalt keep him. That's not what the Bible said. Thou shalt keep them. What's that then? The words. Isn't that right? The words of the Lord are pure words. And thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Isn't that right? Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt, notice this next word, preserve them from this generation forever. Notice with me, the preservation of Scripture. My opinion, one of the most hotly debated doctrines of Scripture in the day and age in which we yeah. live. Uh, now, the question is, whether or not, here's what the, when you talk about preservation, here's what you're really asking. Is it possible for us to have a perfect copy of the Word of God? Now, we know that God, the Holy Ghost, moved, holy men of old, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We talk about how it's God breathed. All scriptures, God breathed. We agree with that. We agree that all scripture is inspired. They spake as they were moved. We agree with that. We believe that if it's the Word of God, it's inerrant. It's without error. We believe it's infallible. If it's the Word of God, it cannot fail. But here's what they say. Do we have a copy of the Word of God? Do we literally? Here's what they say. Every, just about everybody that I know that uh, believes in other words of the Bible, they say that the, the inspiration, the inerrancy, the infallibility of Scripture, that and the inspiration of Scripture only applies to to the originals. What they mean is this. When Paul literally penned the epistle to the Romans, they believed that was inspired. Yeah. But that there's been several men take that original. When that came to the church at Rome, they took that and said that and men pinned that so they could have a copy of it. They literally pinned that down. You with me? And then passed down through the ages. It's been pinned and pinned and pinned and translated and transcribed and rewrote and all these things to where eventually 1611, I don't have time to get into all that, how we got our Bible, but 1611 we know that the King James Bible was published. You, and one of us tonight got a 1611 right. uh, King James Bible in your hands. I've heard preachers say all my life, I believe let's go to 1611. Well, you don't have one. Right. If you did, you couldn't read it. Couldn't read it if you had. I've got one. John asked me about it. I showed it to him. You can't read it, can you, John? Can't read it. Well, we have a King James Bible, but 1611, uh, you couldn't read it. You, and I'll show it to you if you want me to see it. But what they're saying is through all that process, they believe, Kirk, that it's been, that it's lost. We've lost the inspiration. We've lost the infallibility. We've lost the inerrancy. We've lost all that because only the originals, the original document that Paul penned, or was penned as Paul spoke, only that is true and inspired and infallible in there. So the question really when we talk about preservation is, is it possible for us to hold a Bible in our hands? Here's all I want you to see. What's what your Bible says? 
Verse number six. The words of the Lord, pure words, the silver tried the first verse, purified seven times. Thou, notice what he said, thou, not David, not, not David, he's talking about the Lord. He said, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation for what? Ever. Isn't that right? Yeah. Every modern translation, every modern, I don't say version, every modern perversion changes that to thou shalt keep him. You know why? Because they don't want to believe that God has preserved his word to this generation. Yeah. All right? That's their argument. What's it matter if you change a few things? Because it's not really God's word anyway. It's close, but it's not really God's word. <laughs> Only that's in the originals. That, you with me? Yeah. But we believe that God himself preserved the word down through the centuries. And I don't know how he did it, Kurt. I don't understand how he, how he moved upon all those men. All I know is however many people copied down the word of God, somehow or another, God preserved it down through the ages and down through time. I don't understand how he did it when King James, when he, when he translated into the English language, but somehow or another, God used a wicked king and I'll be honest with you, partly wicked men that uh, used it, knew the Greek and the Hebrew and the English language and used it, translated and preserved uh, the literal word of God so that you and I can literally hold the word of God in our hands. So I that's a little hard for me to believe. Well, I'll show you what it boils down to. I'm not being funny. How many of you believe tonight that God saved sinners? Raise your hand. Messages. I'm not trying to be up there. How many of you believe tonight God saves sinners and then keeps or seals or preserves those sinners? Amen. Can't do that with a soul. Can't do it with words. That's right. All right? Can't do it with a soul. I can't do it with words. Yeah. Why could he not do it? And it's not hard for me to believe God preserved his work. Right. I'm trusting that he preserved me. Yeah, you know what happens? You preserve something. We was talking about over at Nancy's day. We was talking about canning. <laughs> we canned them green beans. We, we put we put that salt and all that stuff in the jar and put the water and we put it under pressure and we we sealed that jar. And the reason we did that, Wendy, was to preserve it. Yeah. If we just took them green beans and left them laying on the kitchen counter, they'd have rotted by the time we got ready to eat them. But you preserve them. God help me, so that when you get ready for them, uh, they're in the same shape and the same condition that. Are y'all with me yeah. as they was the day that you put them in? That's what the doctor preservation means. Uh, I don't understand Lydia how he did it, but all I know is that uh, it's still just as much inspired. Uh, it's still just as much infallible. Yeah. It's still just as much inherent uh, as it was the day that God himself breathed them out. Uh, uh, hey man, friend, I'm about to come unglued. Uh, uh, when he stepped out on nothing and said, let there be light, uh, it's still just as much the word of God in my hand uh, as it was when he stepped out on nothing uh, and said let there be and there was uh, because God himself uh, inspired his word uh, from this generation forever isn't that right? Doctrine of preservation it's widely debated in the age which we live uh, I've been like this I have no problem believing and trusting that God can preserve his word Forever. That does not that does not boggle my mind one bit. Pink step out on nothing, speak everything to existence. I believe in keep a word. Yeah. Pink save a sinner, I believe in keep a word. Yeah. They're right. 
Hang still and sin another day of redemption. That's what the Bible said. The Bible said, Where do you see it by the, the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of promise? You know what that means? That God the Holy Ghost that put a seal upon our heart. It's just like a canner when you put it in there. You ask it. My wife had asked me, she'd go to work. She'd call me the next day after we can. She'd say, Go down there in the basement. And see if those jars have sealed that. Yeah. That right. Here's what the Bible said. Whereunto you are sealed that by the Holy Ghost unto the day of redemption. That that means when He saved me, the Holy Ghost Himself sealed me and keeps me until the day of redemption. All said that redemption draws nigh. That's not talking about being redeemed unto salvation. That's talking about the Lord takes the church home. Amen for that. Y'all ain't getting that. It may be so preacher, how long are you going to be preserved? Uh, until I get to heaven, but can I say this? Uh, uh, they something preserved even more than that. Uh, uh, the Bible said heaven and earth shall pass away, uh, uh, but his word shall abide forever. Uh, amen. It's, uh, it is preserved uh, forever. Isn't that right? God himself preserved it, not man. Uh, I had somebody, they had a debate recently down in Salisbury, and I'm not being critical. I broke out his order. He's a good preacher. He's a good fellow. I'm not being critical of him at all, but uh, they had a debate down there, and they had a King James Version debate, and they talked a lot about had a guy that believed in the King James Version, a guy that believed in something else, and they debated back and forth, and uh, they talked about the defense uh, of the Bible. Can I tell you something? That Bible don't need to be defended. Uh, God didn't call me to defend the Scripture. Uh, he didn't call him, but that's right. Uh, he said, Preach the word, uh, be instant in season, out of season. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Uh, he didn't call me to defend it. Uh, and it's not my job to preserve it. Uh, uh, the Bible said, Thou shalt keep them. Uh, thou shalt preserve them, O Lord, from this generation forever. Uh, whether you believe or not, whether I believe or not, it is God's word. Uh, and it's forever settled in heaven. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's preserved by the Word of God, by the Lord Himself. That's the doctrine of preservation. Then I want you to go with me fifthly. Go with me. First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. I'll let you get there. First Corinthians chapter two. Verse number four. Well, let's start reading verse number nine. Let's just read there. Bible said, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now I told you the other night we've we've heard that all our lives preaching about heaven. That's not the context. That's not talking about heaven. Watch what the Bible said, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What's verse 13? Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. 
For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Well, I like that part of verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. Here's what Paul said in verse 16. I don't have time to deal with all that. In fact, I won't deal with just about three verses, so I've got to hurry. Verse 16, Paul said, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Paul said, Who knows what the Lord's thinking? Who understands the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Here's what he's saying. Jessica, he said, do you understand the mind of God so good you can tell him what he ought to do? The question is no. Watch what he said in verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. What he's talking about? Scriptures. That's the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Talking about scriptures. When he said in verse 9, but as is written, I have not seen nor heard me there in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. The, the Old Testament saints could not imagine having a book you'd hold in your hand that told you everything you know about the Lord. They couldn't imagine that. All they had heard was occasionally the prophets come by and tell them what does say the Lord. And they, they couldn't imagine having a book. They couldn't imagine, read on down, what Paul's really teaching us is that the Bible, the Scripture, cannot be discerned except for the Spirit. The natural man cannot understand the things, but the Spirit searches all things. Yea, the deep things of God. It must be spiritually discerned, is what Paul said. He's talking about the Scriptures and the indwelling of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about when he said, I have not seen nor ear heard over in the heart of man the things which God prepared for them to love him. The Old Testament saints had no idea how good it would be to be saved. Verse number 10, Paul said, But God hath revealed them to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit serves all things, yea, the deep things of God. He's talking about the deep truths of the Scripture. I have not seen nor ear heard what that Scripture contains, what Paul said. He said, The Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. So it's talking about the Scripture. Now, I want you to look with me. Sixthly, what is we at? Fifthly, fifthly, the illumination of the Scripture. Watch what the Bible said, verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Which things also we speak not in the words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Watch verse 14. But the natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I'm going to hurry, because i got to quit. We must understand tonight that the Word of God is a spiritual book. While the natural man, the unsaved man, may recognize the beautiful poetry and language that it contains, and it does, that Bible is a literary work of art. It is a literary treasure that you hold in your hand. You read through the books of poetry, the Song of Solomon, the Psalms, and the Proverbs, and especially the Song of Solomon. It is a beautiful, beautiful book that is absolutely a work of art when it comes to literature. It is, and they may understand that, but the natural man, what Paul said is the natural man cannot understand the deep things of God. The natural man cannot understand spiritual things. Watch this. Uh, it may recognize the beautiful language and poetry. Uh, the natural man can never sit understand the spiritual truths of Scripture. It must be illuminated by the Spirit of God to our hearts and minds. Here's what Paul said, verse 14. Natural man receives other things the Spirit of God for their foolish intent. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually desired. Here's what Paul said. If you read that book, it'll be just like every other book until it's illuminated by the Spirit. Yeah. Now I'll show you something. 
I know it's not a real good example, but I want to show you something real quick. Watch this. I saw from man one day, a little man. He told me he said, Preacher, when I read my Bible, I can't see nothing. Can't see a thing. Kind of like some of you that got, right, maybe you get a little age on you. I know them lights on up yonder, but I don't want to get it so dark and I can't see the walk. So uh, listen to me. Somebody maybe can't see real good. It's getting awful hard to see right now. Be awful hard to read your Bible right now. Be awful hard to see everything going on right now. Yeah. But you know what happened? One of these days, somebody flipped on the light switches. Yeah. All of a sudden, you say, hey. And that was, you think about this for a minute. I talked to a man one time, read his Bible for years uh, before he got saved. And he told me one day he thought he was saved for years and made a false profession. And then he got saved on up in age. I seen him one day and he said, Preacher, you wouldn't believe how that Bible's come to life to me since I've been, you know why he's been illuminated. Yep. Somebody flipped the light switches off. All of a sudden, it's more than just words on a page. All of a sudden, y'all ain't with me. All of a sudden, somebody yep. that knew all the deep things of God began to point things out and begin to reveal things. Uh, it must be spiritually illuminated. Uh, Amen. That's right. Uh, you're not never. We talk about. We talk about it. Uh, the new convert class talking about all the different things and talking about different ways. Uh, uh, hermeneutical principles and uh, that's just a real big fancy word to say how to study your Bible. But we've been talking about that in the new convert class. But I'll tell you this: uh, you aren't not ever start reading or studying your Bible till you ask God the Holy Ghost to illuminate your heart uh, and show you the truths of the Word of God because they cannot be naturally seen. It must. Must be illuminated uh, by the Holy Ghost. Uh, and Paul said that the Spirit uh, searcheth all things, uh, yea, the deep things of God. Isn't that right? The natural man cannot see it. It must be spiritually illuminated. It literally carries the idea of God turning on the lights. Uh, what a beautiful thing when God, uh, by the Spirit of God, illuminates our hearts and our minds to the truth of the Word of God. I see it happen sometimes while I'm preaching. Uh, I, I see every once in a while. I pick on Lydia. I don't mean this. Uh, I, I, I see her every once in a while. And I'll say something and I see her wheels are turning. And then we may go to another reference and uh, I, I'll see her begin to see a little bit. Then all of a sudden, I just see it. The light bulb go off on her eyes. And what's happened is, it's not anything I did, uh, but the Holy Ghost that lives within her uh, uh, through the preached word and the written word uh, has illuminated her heart uh, uh, to the truth of the word of God. Uh, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. Isn't that right? Right. That right? So it must be illuminated. It's the illumination of the scripture. John 14, 26, Jesus said this, but the comforter, just in case you didn't know who that was, he said this, which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. Listen to this. He shall teach you all things. Bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Know what Jesus said? Jesus told John 14, 26. That the Holy Ghost himself had a special interest in revealing to us the word of God. Yeah. Know what he said? Bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said his words unto you. I'm glad for a comforter. I when, well, uh, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this. I didn't give him nothing real technical. Noah texted me the other night. Uh, I'm assuming he's getting ready to teach Sunday school. He texted me and he said, I've been looking at this verse for an hour. And he said, I was, here's what I'm thinking. Is this right? Here's what I told him. I mean, I'm not verbatim, but here's what I told him. 
I told him, I said, by all, I told him he was right. We talked about it for a little while. And I said, by all means, put in the work and study. And I said, but there's got to come a point where you just trust yourself. All right? Yeah. Now, I didn't tell him all this, but here's what I was really saying. There's got to be a point you pray about it and you study. And there's got to be a point you just accept what the Holy Ghost told you. Yeah. All right? Just realize, realize that the natural man ain't going to come up with these things. If it's, if it's clearly called the Scripture, that's going to come before you. just rely on the comforter. I'm glad, thank God, when Noah, when there's been verses before, uh, I pick on Kenny. I don't mean this like I'm something special, but uh, several weeks ago, several months ago now, Kenny was teaching through the Gospel of John and Mark, which is what it was, and I was up here, and he got to the unpardonable sin. But in here, just, just get over that part. After service, I went up there and I said, surely you're going to hit the unpardonable sin. I said, you're going to hit that next week. Well, no, I thought I'd just let you do it. And I said, you can't do that. That's the most interesting thing in that chapter. You've got to deal with that. And uh, we hit all the rebel finally come back in call. And he, he, he talked to me that week. He talked about how nervous he was. But you know what he found out? He told me. And I don't mean this brag on me or him, but he told me after that week, he said, once well, so I've enjoyed studying more than I ever. You know why? Because that was something he didn't know. And he studied. And he dug and he prayed, and God the Holy Ghost illuminated his heart. Yeah. And it was exciting to know that the comforter, the very one that moved the hand of the holy men of old to pen the scriptures, just taught you what it means. Ain't that a blessing? It's almost like God wants us to understand the Bible. It's not a hidden book tonight. It's not that it has to be hard to understand. It's not this even that God doesn't want you to know it. He gave you a comforter that dwells within you. Uh, that was the one that inspired it, that moved holy men of old. Uh, and he teaches you all things, the things that Christ himself said. He has an interest in the words of God. The illumination. It takes the Holy Ghost to understand the scripture because it must be illuminated. Then lastly, I'm done right here. The interpretation. Of scripture. Now, I don't spend much time on that. We dealt with that on Wednesday nights. We're dealing with it in the, in the new convert class now. The interpretation of scripture. Basically, how to study and rightly divide. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20. You don't have to turn if you don't want to. Verse 20 21. Here's what Peter said. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures is any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Here's what Peter said. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Now you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. I flip. You ever heard somebody get up and say, well, what this verse means to me is blah, blah, blah. You've heard that? Yeah. What Peter's saying is, that ain't how the Bible works. I'm not, I'm not being ugly. God knows my heart. I'm not. That's what Peter said. That ain't how the Bible works. Yeah. What Peter's saying is there's no portion no section of the, of the prophecy of the scriptures what he's talking about that's given to be private interpretation. Elaine, I, I'm not being ugly. It don't matter to me what it means to you. Yeah. And it don't matter to you what it means to me. Right. I don't know what God meant when he said what he said. Right. There, right? I don't care or what it means to you. Don't die on me. I couldn't give two rips what it means to you. I'm not going to stand before you and give an account of the deeds done in my body, but I will him. Yeah. I want to know what, it, what he said, what he meant when he said what he said. Isn't that right? That's what he said. It's of no private interpretation. There's no reason to get up. And I, 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 don't, I know they don't, I'm not being too critical. I know they don't always mean it the way that they say it. But what he's saying is, it doesn't mean one thing, it means something else to you. That's where false doctrine comes from. Yeah. 
that right? The Bible said all scriptures give me inspiration from God. You know what that means? I know this is deep. Y'all get ready to get rewarded for all that money you spent sending me Bible college. That means all scriptures give me inspiration from God. What it means. No matter what I think it means. No matter what you think it means. God said what he said. He meant what he meant. All right? And when he said all scripture, he just meant all scripture. All right? Well, when you get into the, when you get into the problems, is somebody says, well, what I really think he meant was there, that's not what he said. He said all scripture, right? That's what Peter's telling us. That no, no prophecy in scripture give me any private interpretation. It doesn't matter what it means to individuals. God said what he said when he meant what he meant. And let me say this. There's a big difference. Adam's going to help me right here. What's the difference, Adam, between interpretation and application? You know that. We talked about it. Don't get nervous. Interpretation is what it literally means. What's application? How it works. Applies. There you go. I put her on the spot. She knows that. Now let me say this. It means the same. He said no private interpretation. It means, he said what he said to all of us. That doesn't change. You with me? But I might take uh, at the funeral. I had several come to me and say, you crazy nut. I can't believe you preached Genesis 24 to the funeral. But your idea, I didn't change the interpretation. I applied it differently. Yeah. So application, right? I got slagging Nancy about all that Buckingham went through. Talk about that 500 miles a day. And I applied that. I didn't change what he literally said. I just applied it. Now, I might take that to end it, and I might say, we can think about all the years you put up with her. Think about all, are you women? It applies. Different people, it may apply differently. I might read about uh, I might read about something in the Bible and apply it to my life one way. Lydia, you might apply it another. We didn't change what it meant. We just it applied to us differently. Uh, I told Anna the other day, we was talking about her teaching Sunday school for you Sunday. And I told her, I said, there's a big difference between teaching the new convert class and teenage class and teaching all the women. Because now you've got people that are in childbearing years. You've got your people that are grandmothers. You've got people that have lost their husband. You've got people that are getting ready to get married. You've got all different groups of people. And you've got to apply it to all of them. And that changes the interpretation, but it applies different. It's different interpretation and application. But the interpretation is of no private interpretation. We must be careful when studying reading the scriptures that we say what God actually said. Do you realize if I stand up tonight and tell you God said something and he didn't say it, I'm making God a liar. Yeah. I'm putting words in his mouth. Isn't that right? Uh, notice that no process of scripture in private interpretation, meaning that it, it doesn't mean one thing to one person, something else to another. God simply said what he said and he meant what he meant. We must make sure that in our study, our teaching, our preaching, etc., we don't make God say something he didn't. Now here's where interpretation comes in. You say, Preacher, how am I going to do that? 2 Timothy 2.15, I'm done. Here's what Paul tells young Timothy. Study, so thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly divine for truth. Now, Preacher, why does it matter how I study? Can I study wrong? Absolutely. You sure can. So, Preacher, why does it matter? Because your studies will produce your interpretation. Yeah. Is that right? And I'll be honest with you. Now, stay with me right here. 
I'm not trying to scare you. I don't want to do that. I told Brother Kenny, uh, somebody, somebody in the church, I won't tell you who, but somebody in the church told me the other day, they said, uh, I ain't a teacher no more. I, I, I ain't going to get me to do it. You done scared today. That's not my intention. I think you ought to have a certain fear about it. I think you ought to have a respect for the Lord of God. But it's not my intention to scare you to where you're afraid to teach. It's not my intent. But I will say this. You can have your doctrine of inspiration right. You have your doctrine of inerrancy right. You have your doctrine of infallibility right. You have the doctrine. All these doctrines can be right. And if your interpretation is wrong, it doesn't do you any good. If you don't say what God said, it doesn't do you any good. Isn't that right? Your doctrine is going to be wrong if you don't say what God said. Right? So it's important to study. Paul said, so shall I say through workmen and God and not fishing. Rightly dividing the word truth. If you're rightly divided, I know you've heard me say this a bunch, but if you're rightly divided, that tells me you're wrongly divided. Yeah. That word divide literally carries the idea of a pie. That's what I said, the pie being sliced. Paul said you better slice it right. Right? Yeah. Better cut it right. Better section it off right. It's almost a, it's almost a thought of toward dispensation. A lot of people use it as a proof verse for dispensationalism. But can I say this? It's important tonight how you study. Because if you don't study right, your doctrine's not right. And if your doctrine's not right, you're not going to live right. Is that right? Yes. And I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm quick to hurry. I'm, I'm finishing tonight with the doctrines of Scripture. So I'm going to say this. If anywhere within these doctrines, besides, besides uh, uh, eschatology, which is the end time doctrine, besides, leave that alone this minute. You find somebody's got their doctrine messed up, their church doctrine, their Bible doctrine messed up. Without fail, their book messed up in the Without fail, it carries through. You find somebody doesn't believe right concerning the scriptures, they're messed up in time process. You find somebody doesn't believe right with the church, they're messed up in time process. You find somebody doesn't believe right with some salvation, they're messed up in time process. It 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 compares it, it uh not my What's what I'm looking for? It it grows upon each other. It's like this. We're gonna build a building tonight, and we start out. This is what we've done. The scriptures, the Bible, the word of God. That's your foundation when it comes to doctrine. If you don't get it right, right, the next stone's not gonna lay right. Yeah. If you don't have it right, the next one's not going to lay right. And by the time you get to the end, you're all messed up. And there's so many today messed up on end time doctrine. And it's not just they've got messed up at the end. Somewhere down the line, they've got off. You cannot get off out here and not end up right. It's not possible. So we've got to have our doctrine right when it comes to the Bible. Then, Lord willing, next week we'll try to pick up. Start on some doctrines concerning God the Father. Uh, Lord willing for us to do that. Let's stand our feet.